The Napa Know How Motorsport Academy is back, bigger than ever, in 2022. Led by supercar star Bryce Forward as the driver mentor, the Academy offers tuition to all racers aged 13 and up, giving insights into the world of racecraft and analysis, plus information on health, sponsorship and media. On top of the information you'll receive, you can win regular prizes and best of all, it's free to join. Get involved at the new Napa Motorsport Asia Pacific Facebook and Instagram pages or visit the Napa Australia or New Zealand websites to sign up and be part of know-how that is synonymous with Napa. Start your engines. This is the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racer Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you had a fantastic Christmas and New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Welcome back. This is episode 16 of the Napa Grassroots Racing Podcast with Daz and Gaz. I've had a very, very relaxing time this summer. Spent it mostly at home, but my uh, co-host has just come back from 10 hours of road tripping. He's a hunk of hunk of loving. He's been to parks for the annual Elvis Festival up there. Gaz, welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you back for 2020. Thank you very much. Oh, I love it. Good one. Thanks, Gaz. Love it. Bringing that in there. We're all shook up. We're back. We are. We're absolutely back, aren't we? It's a little bit quiet on the uh, on the motorsports scene, although, um, of course, Napa Auto Parts being our uh, fantastic sponsors. They've got their Napa Auto Parts Academy, which never rests. It's on the internet. You can get, get on there if you're in Australia, napaparts.com.au forward slash academy or napa.co.nz nz forward slash academy for our friends over the ditch they can join in as well so that again is napaparts.com.au forward slash academy or napa.co.nz forward slash academy join bryce fullwood and uh, many others on there media training there by uh, grant rowley uh, motorsport uh, assistance there lots of um, physical training tips etc etc on their media uh, how to do a how to do a media presentation, all of that sort of thing. So that's fantastic, and leads straight into the fact that uh, we've got James McFadden in the Hodges Motorsport uh, Speedway outfit in the sprint car this season, running right at the front. And we've got some notes from Tim Hodges, the uh, owner at Hodges Motorsport, that's running the Napa Auto Parts um, sprint car. Had a handful of events, and uh, they're really eyeing off the classic. That's really what this whole campaign is at Warnable come the end of the month. There's been some good results. A win at Avalon on December 30. A tremendous, uh, really rewarding for everyone. A, a team that was sort of just lobbed together. Uh, and Tim Hodges has placed, obviously, all the behind-the-scenes people in place. And James McFadden, brand new, into uh, into the team. And they put on a good show. Also at Warnable on December the 17th and a third at Mount Gambier on December 30. So they're starting to build towards that that ultimate goal down, uh, down there at Warnable. They were leading at Warnable on uh, the January 1 event, had a mechanical drama, and then again uh, on January 2 where they had a tyre issue. Two DNFs, but they were certainly happy with the way the team was working, the way the car was coming together. James McFadden's wrapped with the car and the crew and has said that uh, they're doing a tremendous job. Plenty of media attention being dragged in with James and the the higher profile crew here. Of course, they've had visitors to their team like Marcus Ambrose and Stephen Richards, which, you know, cross-genre motorsport, I guess that helps to to promote the events. Their events still to come in January, Wednesday, January the 25th, the President's Cup at Avalon Raceway near Geelong there. Um, Thursday the 26th, the Australia Day weekend, King's Challenge at Borderline Speedway. And of course, uh, from Friday the 27th through to Sunday, 
the 29th, the Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic at Premier Speedway in Warrnambool. We wish all the uh, the crews down there, particularly our man, James McFadden, and the guys at Hodges Motorsport, all the best, Gaz. Should be a, a good event. Will be. And um, I love the way that it's now lifting this the profile of speedway and sprint cars into the circuit racing fraternity because of the, the link-ups that you just mentioned. And we've got uh, Cam Waters and Shane Van Gisbergen also competing in the speed speedway environment. Yeah, certainly. It's it's interesting to see how some of these circuit races can, can go on the dirt and I guess uh, on the clay. And I guess uh, it sort of leads into uh, our first guest for 2023. And we've, uh, we're teed off with a rock star this time, guys. Well, this week, as we kick off the new year, we have a multidiscipline driver who has competed in on bitumen and on dirt. With four Australian rally championships, he's certainly one of the all-time greats of the sport. From Corolla Cup and Formula 2 classes to success in a European-built Volkswagen Golf kit car, a very familiar Subaru Impreza and a Toyota factory drive with a debut win. That victory was just the beginning as his team won their maiden title that same year before going back-to-back the following year and followed that up with another two more titles, three of those, which came with three different manufacturers, only the second team to do so. He is a major player in arguably the ARC's golden era that featured a number of champion drivers, which should make for some interesting observations. Aside from rallying, he competed at circuit racing in sports sedans, Commodore Cup and production cars. Nowadays, he embraces off-road racing. So to give us the full story on his wide-ranging career, Daz, please welcome to the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast, Simon Evans. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. No, that's it, mate. That's your story. Yeah, uh, you can go. <laughs> I was going to say you covered that pretty well. I reckon I can go and have a beer now. <laughs> yeah, I've put you that one already. So. I think I think there I think there was a rally uh, somewhere in a Datsun sixteen hundred that started it all. And and being that we are the the grassroots uh, podcast, and who hasn't started their rally career in a, at least a Datsun of some sort of uh, description? I I spoke to one of your. Uh, early teammates and 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 a couple of them actually to get some stories from behind the scenes Evo but uh out at Powtown at Datsun 1600 I believe was where you had your first success in a rally first success was my first event well there you uh, go <laughs> what a way to start a career yeah definitely uh look we had um it was I guess for me it was a long road to get to my first rally because um I got a car before I got a push bike so um, living, living on a farm and that dad thought bikes were dangerous so he got me a little Datsun 1000 and I think the real reason was it was 80 bucks for the car and it was 100 bucks for a brand new BMX so I got the car He's <laughs> imagine having a 1000 in decent condition these days, even in bad condition you you, you could sign the uh, mortgage away on that couldn't you? It was still a terrible car though <laughs> <laughs> So, so take us take us back, Simon, to you know your very first memory of um, of being involved in some sort of motorsport event because your family is is entrenched in it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's you're now up to the third generation of Evans's uh, competing in motorsport. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, look, it's all Dad's fault. Um, he bought a Datsun 1600 and went rallying there when I was a young bloke, and um, of course I fell in love with it because we had a rally car in the workshop. It was loud. It was it was green. Um, it was a terrible colour, but um, the coolest sounding car in the world as far as I was concerned when I was about six, seven, six or seven years old. Um, 
yeah, and I just fell in love with with that and, and then rallying. Um, for me, I think it was going to rallies with Dad, running along the spectator points, getting yelled at by all the officials to uh, you know get off the track. But I was cheering Dad on, and it was just so exciting. And uh, back then, the spectating was uh, you get a lot closer to the cars than what you can these days. <laughs> so it was good fun, and uh, it was always an adventure. And I think that was what really um, grabbed me. Uh, I love going on adventures and getting out there and getting out in the bush and um, just having a, having a ball. So for me, I love a challenge. And, uh, yeah, I fell in love with rallying. And so I remember doing a thing at primary school, and it was a thing on your sports hero, you know, and I did it on Newhart Kankinen who was the current world champion at the time. And anyway, I failed because the teacher didn't know who Yuha Kankinen was. So he wasn't famous enough. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> so I gave, her, I gave her a little bit of instruction about who he was, but anyway, it didn't matter. And I got a trip to the principal's office. <laughs> and, uh, Lucky the principal was into rallying, hey? <laughs> the principal did see the funny side to it. So, yeah, no, look, it was uh, good times and... Uh, I was lucky enough, as the same as before, I got a car really early in life and uh, I fell in love with that death and house. As much as a piece of shit as what it was, um, <laughs> I just, I worked on it all the time. I learned how to siphon fuel from mum's car. Um, Did mum know about it? Driving every night. <laughs> Did mum know about that? I never told her. Um, Dad <laughs> of course she knew. She got in the car to go to do the shopping and there's no fuel left. Well, she had a Jag. It had the twin tanks. So she had no idea how much fuel it had in it. Um, Dad worked it out about, oh, I was about 14. And he worked out that he hadn't put fuel in my car for about 12 months. And he's like, Sigh. He goes, where are you getting the fuel from? And I said, oh, I'm siphoning it out of mum's car. I don't lie to dad. <laughs> and he just started laughing. And he goes, I didn't even know you knew how to siphon fuel out of a car. <laughs> you soon learn when you want to drive. So, so what yeah, neighbourhood was that in, Simon? Was there, were there other neighbours that had the same issues with their fuel go level going down? I was smart enough to keep it in-house. <laughs> uh, now, the neighbours I had to keep on side because I was tearing up and down the driveway all the time and dust was always going over their place. So... Yeah, I sort of had to be careful in um, yeah, how I approached the neighbours, but they were all good. They, they loved what I did, and uh, I kept telling them I had this dream of being a rally driver and I'm going to get there. And so, um, yeah, they were actually quite supportive of it, to the point where I was, uh, when I was doing Targa with Mazda, um, one of my old neighbours turned up at the start of a stage and he's like, you told me you were going to be a rally driver, and here I am standing in the Mazda suit. Uh, it was great to see him, old Dave, so, yeah. He was, uh, he was very proud of me. When That's he saw terrific, me. terrific when those sort of things happen, isn't it? So, Simon, can we jump forward to, obviously not too far forward because you're in the, you're going to go and get the 1600 and, and prepare it out of the, the shed and, and go rallying up yep. to, to Powtown, I was told, and where your first rally was. And uh, uh, just tell us about the leading up to, to getting that car on, you know, actually out in the, out in the, out in the forest and, and having a run with it. <laughs> well, at times we used to go testing. <laughs> one thing, one thing I learned in life pretty quickly is that you um, you got to be prepared when you go to your events. And so, yeah, we used to work on it in the shed. Um, back then, Dad had a timber a hardware, and we used to use the forklift as our hoist, and we'd lift it up with the forklift and work underneath it. We just had a, a lump of four by three was our uh, safety net. We put it under the forks of the the forklift while we worked on the car. Um, 
but yeah, I had a good bunch of mates who uh, who loved who followed my dream, I guess, always helping me with the car. And uh, yeah, I kind of needed that because we used to test it a fair bit and uh, had a few moments out up in Jembrook and stuff like that. We used to get out and have a bit of fun and right out in the bush. And uh, yeah, it was. We spent more time fixing the car from me learning how to drive it, I think, <laughs> than we did actually racing it. So, so, that's, so testing that's in the mid eighties to late eighties is that is that what's called hooning these days? Oh, it's definitely hooning, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, the statute. I feel of sorry for the kids over. now. There's nowhere they can go legally. It's. I think back then everyone was a little bit more compliant, or they understood a bit more. Um, as long as you're out deep into the bush, no one really gave a rat's ass about what you were doing. Yeah. Um, if you're doing it in front of the house, well, of course, you're going to piss them off and they're going to get the cops down there. But, yeah, we didn't really have any dramas back then when we were going out to Jembrook. But, um, yeah, as I, as I got better at my, at, at my rallying and, um, I guess, more well-known, we started to get a good crowd who'd come out. We'd head out on a Wednesday night about 6 o'clock after work and uh, take the race truck the rally car on the trailer behind and by the time we set up and everything there would be about 20 or 30 people would rock up and spectate our uh, our test sessions <laughs> uh, that was a uh, good fun we actually we had the cops turn up one night and uh and spectated oh yeah they, they were asking a few questions but then really all they cared about was i said oh can you get any rego numbers of people who come past and I said oh why is that and i said oh, i was a few drunk crops out there we want to know who's coming past <laughs> and i'm like yeah, no worries. <laughs> I can help you with that. Hey, let's jump back to that first event in the Datsun. Um, yep. you, you roll up and, uh, you know, you've done your scrutineering and you, you're set to go, helmet on. What's the feeling? Oh, mate, my heart was in my throat. Um, it was, yeah, it was power town. I, I didn't really know the roads, so it was a, it was a traditional blind rally. And, um, yeah, <laughs> I'll never forget I was so nervous. Um, I felt like throwing up before I got in the car. Um, but, yeah, jump in the car, just, yeah, tried to just get control of it. Because um, I used to play football a fair bit, so I was using a lot of my um, my football training stuff to get myself relaxed enough to focus on the job. Um, so I had a few things, a few sayings in my head that I probably shouldn't say. Uh, <laughs> Please don't. No. <laughs> and uh, just to calm Something myself. like go get him, Tiger, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much something like that. Um, yeah, it always ended up with idiot. It was usually... <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, listen here, idiot. There's a few other words in there and uh, just calm down and focus on the job. All I've got to do is get around that corner ahead of me. And once I get around that one, I've just got to get around the next corner. So that was the theory I worked on. Fantastic. Now, Gaz mentioned, you know, he's listed off at the top of the show some, some, you know, major achievements of that that you've you've had as your career developed. But uh, I was also told today that you moved on from um, what was largely an underpowered sixteen hundred to a V eight VK Commodore and uh, started to, I guess, stretch your legs and really get the feel for the game and and where your your career might head. Or, or was there was there was it just go to each rally and have some fun? Or was it? I'm I'm going to do this. I'm off to take on the world. Yeah, no, definitely. We um, the 1600 served its purpose. Um, it, it taught me a little bit of, of racecraft, you might say, or rallycraft. Um, but we definitely needed a faster car if we were going to start stepping up. And um, we were looking at Datsun 260Zs and all that sort of stuff, but they were just a bit out of my price range. And 
dad suggested a Commodore. And uh, back then, Haystacks was doing really well uh, in the Commodore. He's right up the front end of the VRCs. And um, oh, there's a few for those boys. playing at home, Haystacks is Alan Haystacks Johnson. There we go. Yeah, he was a bit of a legend, uh, yeah. <laughs> especially in the Commodore. He was he was incredibly fast. Um, and then Gary Kendrick as well. Um, Alan Friends, they're all in Commodores. And so we thought we'll join this Commodore fraternity and uh, go out and destroy some rear tyres. Um, so we had a ball doing that. That was definitely a lot of car to be out in the forest with. Um, <laughs> I learned the hard way. Uh, we did the Alpine Rally uh, in the, we got a, a VHSS and we bought it from Canberra and it was a prepared rally car ready to go. We rallied in the Alpine and it, the suspension was way too soft for the speed I was driving it. Um, and look, I thought this thing was a Formula One car and <laughs> I just punted it as hard as I could. Uh, to the demise <laughs> of the car, we uh, we crashed it pretty heavily and had, a, had uh, Phil Wiley co-driving for me. And um, he, he got pretty hurt in the accident and that was a bit of a... A reminder that what I'm doing, you know, like I'm, I'm responsible for somebody else here as well, not just myself. Yeah. Um. So that knocked me about a fair bit, and um, it was a, well, it was a big lesson, and uh, yeah, I remember going to hospital and seeing him, and uh, and he just kept telling me, you know, don't worry about me, I'm okay, just focus on your career, um, because I was sort of yeah, I was knocked about a bit, a bit because I hurt him. So yeah. Anyway, we. We learned, we worked through that one and I jumped back in the 16, in my 1600 and I'd never been so scared going so slow in all my life. Like I was terrified of crashing it and I was running down the back of the field and the alternator blew and I was, I was so relieved. Uh, <laughs> the car broke down. I didn't crash it. I always wanted to go home. And uh, so that's what, that's what we did. And then, yeah, we uh, got back to work and just, yeah. yeah. So, so what, with that, so, yeah. with that in the back of your mind, it obviously affected you, and and it wasn't the uh, you know, your career hasn't been isolated to one one big off. There's been Definitely there's been not. others, but in that in that in in that instance, what is it that drove you to get back into it and get back in the car? You could have gone off and continued, you know, your form and concreting and and all of that, and made a a happy life for yourself. But you decided that that wasn't going to be a happy life. You needed to do it. Yeah, correct. Uh, there was just something deep inside me that was just yearning to, to keep pushing forward. Um, when I wasn't racing, I wasn't I wasn't myself. And, yeah, I started going to a really dark place when I um, you know, got a bit lost with it all. And then once I cleared my head and focused again and um, decided it is what I want to do, it is what I want to chase, then nothing held me back. Um, I just I learned from it. I, I really looked hard at what I did and the mistakes I made and then tried not to make those mistakes again, obviously, and, and move forward in, um, in trying to be a better driver, a faster driver and a more consistent driver um, because I was seriously inconsistent, but I was also seriously quick. So we had this huge amount of speed with us and because you're 18, 19, you don't listen to anybody and everyone's telling you to slow down. And if you just slow down a bit, you'd go faster. And I so I see it all the time now in off-road racing. And then I look at these young kids get in and they drive at 10 tenths 
And I'm laughing at them and I'm going, if they just slow down a bit, they'll go so much faster. <laughs> I've turned into one of those guys. <laughs> Every generation needs one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, no, it, um, I mean, it was definitely something deep down. I just – I couldn't not get back into the car. And so, yeah, that was – and as I was like, oh, I just really focused on trying to be uh, the best driver I could be and – I worked out pretty quickly. The, the driver who makes the least amount of errors generally wins. So I started focusing on not making any mistakes. So you mentioned early on you had a you had a band of of, of mates that were you know mechanically minded and were were interested in your career and obviously noticed that you know if we go away with this guy or we go to an event we're going to come home with something or is he's at least going to have the fastest stage before uh, it turns pear shaped or something? Was that was that? aspect of it i'm going to call it the socialization or the, the doing it with the mates thing was that important for you guys oh it was um it was the keyword to it all like it was the glue that held the team together um it, and, and i guess it's what builds your passion about it because you it's not like it's not just about you um when when you do crash uh and you know you gotta go back you gotta face the music with your boys and and you gotta look at it and work together as a team to get the car back on the road, um, you, you realise really quickly you can't do it without them. Um, not at the level that we were doing it at. And so, yeah, it becomes, it's a real brotherhood. Um, and I guess it's like there's times there where we, we break the car and I'd, I'd limp it back uh, with three wheels or, you know, something missing. I'd have Sue out on the, on the bonnet because I've torn the front end off it. And she's balancing the car so I can get it back into uh, into service. And the boys would just work like no tomorrow. The stuff that those guys did in the service park, a lot of these guys worked in the service department at Patterson Sheeney and, that, and they'd never attempt it. But in the service park at a rally, they could rebuild a Corolla in 10 minutes flat. <laughs> it was fantastic. So you jumped from the from the Commodore and and as Gaz mentioned, you you did the Corolla Cup and um, I got to say, Gaz mentioned the, the golden era of rallying and I think the when the Corolla Cup came about, it started that um, that golden era if you like because you look at the names that uh, you were racing against in the Corolla Cup were sort of the peer group that you went right through with and and you came home with a couple of titles in that in that series. Yeah, the series ran. Oh, for the two years I did it, um, we won every round bar one. We come second in that one. So <laughs> the guys I was racing against didn't like me much at the end of the two years. Um, but the Corolla Cup was just, uh, it was obviously something that Toyota uh, did for the Australian Rally Championship. Uh, it was obviously done to find some talent. And uh, we worked out, because there was another series before that, the Daihatsu Shrey Challenge or something like that, Daihatsu Series. Whoever won it in the first year that it came out in generally went on to be somebody um, with sponsorship and and teams and all that sort of stuff. So when Corolla Cup first got talked about, Dad and I spoke about it and Dad just said, well, we've got to do it. You've got to be the first one to win it because they're the ones that go on. Um, and it was great advice. Like um, Dad was dead on because it opened the door um, for so many more opportunities from then on. And, you know, like, it was a tough series. There was great competitors in it. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was hotly contested. 
And I remember the first round was up in Toowoomba. It was an ARC round. And we came third out. Right? We put the thing, we put this Corolla Cup car, which is a standard road car um, with rally tyres on it, pretty much in a race cage. We put it on the Australian Championship podium. Um, and it shell-shocked everybody. Like, shell-shocked myself. I didn't realise we were going so well as well. But just up there, those roads really suited the front-wheel drive cars. So it was, um, yeah, it was a real bonus for us. So was that your first ARC event? Was that my first ARC? No, yeah. that Alpine where I destroyed the Commodore and, and shortened Phil Wiley's leg, um, that was my first ARC. Is that a is that a factory wanting to make do a deal with you, mate? You better take that call. Yeah, it's not even my phone. Is that, is that, is that Batesy calling you going when I relive the old days? Yeah. He's like, mate, what's going on? You haven't mentioned me yet. <laughs> oh, we're getting to that. Don't worry about that. So the the you, you mentioned your your wife at the time. You mentioned that she had to hang out in the engine bay to to bring a three wheel Corolla back to the to the service park and you know the the the, t- the team got got amongst it you had numerous co-drivers over the time but uh you know you, you slung the wife on board she was a she's a lightweight let's let's face it there's a there's a tick in the box right there as far as um as Except far as when you got a balance the thing yeah as far <laughs> as kind of well she had to carry 100 kilos of lead to balance the uh, corner weights but that was a long time ago sorry Simon um but uh but um, yeah, I mean, there's those sorts of things that that you guys were just over the top commitment, and 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 that wasn't just with Sue hanging out of the engine bay trying to keep the back of the car off the ground. It was both of you, you know, in the car, just every corner, every straight. You guys just threw the 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 you know threw everything at it, and it was your lives. You, you know, your family evolved around getting into the ARC and and making making big waves. Yeah, absolutely. We um. When we made it up to the uh, into the Subaru and the Heller team, um, we committed everything to the to, to rallying. Like uh, we were running pretty, we had a bad season of, of crashes and breakdowns and stuff. So the budget was really tight on the last round. So Susie came up with this great plan that she's going to sell her her everyday driver a road car. We'll sell that because it was a WRX. We'll sell that and we can use that to do the last round of the championship. And, uh, of course, she's saying it to me now. The husband in me should have said, no, nah, honey, we're not going to sell your car to go racing. My eyes lit up and said, yep, let's sell it. <laughs> <That's what laughs> um, yeah, and we did. We sold it and, and did the last round, and, uh, and which was the Rally of Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, – she was definitely very committed to the cause. Uh, she's a, the, still the bravest lady I know. Um, I used to say to people, I wouldn't sit beside me. So, <laughs> because, and I wouldn't like even now I do a bit of driver training and I get nervous when I'm in with the fast guys like you know these guys want me to help them to get quicker and I'm like I'll just stand on the outside and I'll, I'll give you advice yeah. uh, jumping in the cars with me just does not excite me anymore yeah. not, not as a passenger um, as a driver I love it I'll, I'll, I'll drive all day all night um, you can't stop me but yeah to sit beside me I wouldn't do it well, there's the headline, Gary, right there. Simon <laughs> Evans wouldn't sit beside Simon Evans. There yeah. we go. Read, read all about it. I'd be keen to to know um, when you won the first championship in 2006, what was the emotions like at that time? That was such a tough season. 
Um, it was a real roller coaster ride for us. And um, coming into into Rally in Melbourne, it was the last round of the championship. Uh, we were red hot favourites. We've been leading the championship the whole time. It was our home event. Um, Scott Petter was on a charge. Um, I'll never forget it. We had the best race with Scotty Petter. <laughs> Two of us were just going at it stage after stage after stage. I only had to finish in the top seven to, to take home the title. But hang on, do you want me to get rid of this phone? <laughs> I'll silence it. Excuse me, Mr. Bates. I'm on, I'm on a Zoom call at the moment. I'm doing something important. <laughs> it's actually probably... Uh... Probably pro drive going. Oh, Evo, we've got a drive for you in the uh, European Championship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, it was a great battle. And yeah, <laughs> Scotty Petter was constantly telling me, you know, Evo, you can just slow down. You've only got to finish seventh. And because I was so nervous about winning the first championship, I wanted to keep going at full at 10 tenths because I felt at that time in my, my career, I didn't make mistakes when I was driving at 10 tenths and I could focus a lot better. So that's what I tried to do. And uh, we got to the last stage and I think it was Scotty Petter had me by 1.1 seconds or something. It was less, 0.9, I think. And um, I really wanted to win. So we went for it on that debort we won or the, the last stage of the rally. And we got Scotty by 1.1. So we won it by 0.2 of a second and took the championship. So it was just, I was ecstatic and, and emotional at the same time because it was just such a relief. I, I think I always believed in myself that I could do it, but to actually do it, because I hadn't done it at that stage, um, I just felt like it, 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 you've just reached the, the pinnacle and, you know, and you stand on top of the mountain and you're just looking around just going, Thank God I've done that. <laughs> and you just, I took in the moment and really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, and obviously to share it with Susie was fantastic as well. And the team. And, um, yeah, no, it was good. We had a lot of friends there. Uh, so, yeah, it was quite an emotional time. There's a lot of friends there that uh, had been partaking in a bit of the De Bortley's finest, uh, was my memory <laughs> of that uh, particular event. It was a, yeah, it was a big day. Um, big day. Gaz jumped forward to 2006. I... There was something when uh, I just did a bit of research over the uh, the weekend, and and I sort of stopped and went, oh, I remember that the 2003 Motorsport Personality of the Year was Simon Evans, and it had fo you followed the first two recipients was Marcus Ambrose and Craig Lowndes, and then Simon Evans, so two you know massive characters within Australian motorsport in the touring car world, and let's say high, 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 high profile. And then all of a sudden out jumps from, you know, the jackal box, the, the fun loving Simon Evans, and you get announced as the motorsport personality of the year. Well, how, where does that one fit in, in your story? How does, do you sort of look at it and go, oh, I don't know, I'm just Simon Evans. It's just me doing my thing. Or, or was that, <laughs> was that something that you went, Oh yeah, that's, that's nice. We can put that on the resume and remember that one day. Um, no, definitely. I think I've still got the, the award here and um, I am quite proud of it. Um, but yeah, it was definitely like your first comment. It was sort of like, I'm just Simon Evans, I'm just doing my thing. Like, I really didn't think too much about it at the time. And uh, 
when they announced it, because I got invited to the Cairns Awards night, and I was just like, that's weird, because I haven't won anything that year. (laughs) 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 They they said, oh, we'd like you to come and uh, just do a bit of a speech for us, for a presentation of an award. I'm like, oh, yeah, no worries. And so I really had no idea uh, when I went to the awards night. And there was a bit of talk leading up to the awards night that, you know, that I was in the running for. I was a contender, but I just... Yeah, we were rally guys. We were never in contention for doing anything that was popular. And uh, so we didn't think too much of it. And then, of course, when my uh, name got announced, I was pretty shocked because they let in with, with the intro very similar to what you did tonight. And I was just like, oh, no, yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> it was... Uh, it was unique, and uh, but look, it was it was really cool because you know guys like Lamsey and all and, and Marcus and that they all come and say good day, shook my hand, and you know to this day I can still run into them in a racetrack and they they still remember who I am, which is pretty cool. Mm. Uh, but yeah, uh, look, I a lot of respect for all the Australian motorsport. Like obviously, I've, I've competed in most of it, so. Um, I, I love motorsport. I love how it brings families together, and um, and yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you can't do motorsport without your family. So it's that's that's a great thing on its own. I was leading somewhere with the with Marcus and and Craig mentioning that you know in in that illustrious company. I wonder if um, either of them had uh, written off uh, Pulsar GTIR whilst um, running in the gearbox. <laughs> I'll just leave that one there, will I? <laughs> I don't think I've told many people about that night. Oh, it might have been, it might have been someone that was trying to piece it all back together for you. <laughs> you know now that the whole world knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I look, I'm sure they've got some good stories too, but that was definitely an interesting one. Um, yeah, we were running it in on the Akron Way and uh, that gearbox. <laughs> we just ran out of road. Um you know, I think I was fine. The car setup was good. We had the corner nice, but it was just a bit sharper than what it, what it looked as I was going into it. Oh, mate, so- I've worked on GTIRs. They're not nice things. I, I was I was actually applauding <laughs> you for trying to try and tame one. They're uh, they're definitely a handful to drive. And so when when I had that the Halitine, I really needed to focus on getting my notes better because my my pace noting wasn't quite up to scratch. So I came up with this brilliant idea at the Rally of Canberra. That we'd take the GDIR as a recce car because that's the worst handling car I've ever driven. <laughs> and if I can keep that on the road in recce, that means my notes are really good for the race. And I tell you what, it worked a treat. 100%, <laughs> it was the best thing I ever did. That car was like dangerous on a dirt road. Um, so I did really good notes. And then when we did the race, it was fantastic. I don't think we got the win, but we got a lot of stage wins and um, we were in the, in the hunt, which was cool. But <laughs> Yeah, the GDIR. We've still got it. And <laughs> it's in the shed over the other farm there. And we were looking at it about three weeks ago. And my brother says, what are we going to do with this thing? And I said, sell it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get rid of it. You don't want to do anything with it. It's evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, Simon, the, you, you moved on and, you you know, you, you obviously built the, the family team up. And then um, you found yourself representing a brand. You, you, you're driving... Volkswagens sent to you from, you know, the father country to for for you to race and to obviously find a teammate to to join you. But your career really took hold once that you know you you had those VW kit cars. Just explain to us about how how that 
came about with those F2 cars. That was interesting. So there was plenty of rumours because the championship was really going forward um, at that time. It was growing rapidly. There was the outright championship and then there was the Formula 2 championship, which was just these awesome cars that were two-wheel drive. And so all the talk was about getting Volkswagen in because they seemed to have, uh, in Europe, they had the car that was the car to beat. And uh, I know a few boys have been talking to Volkswagen Australia, who was run by Inkscape at the time, and they were getting nowhere fast with it all. Um, anyway, so we we had a bit of a, another plan because Volkswagen were doing the World Rally Championship. So we decided we'd go to New Zealand with our Corolla Cup cars. Mine was pretty heavily modified. Um, uh, with Jason Slot, he had a Corolla Cup car. So we, we headed over to New Zealand and um, I had bugger all money. Um, we, we scraped together what we had and uh, through a few sponsors, <laughs> got, um, oh, I'm trying to think what their name was. So they did it, they did the uh, retread tyres, or they retreaded the tyres. We ran the Rally of New Zealand World Championship on retreads. That we took over his hand luggage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how tight I was. But they were good ties. Um, they were made in Ballarat by um, Glenn Cugley and uh, yeah, Ozsports. That was what they were called, Ozsports. Anyway, so he sponsored me all these ties to go and do Rally in New Zealand. And away we went. We get to New Zealand. We take the Corolla there. We have a ball. We drive in my usual style attacking every corner like it's my last and um, we ended up rolling it towards the end of the second day on the Saturday um, or the third day sorry because we started on Thursday over there it's a big event yeah we ended up rolling it in the afternoon and we were going okay like we weren't embarrassing ourselves by any means we weren't on the world guys pace in the Formula 2 cars but we weren't far off it either anyway so we ran out of late time we finished the day we got the car going but because of the rules we got to the end of the rally and they said, you can't continue because you ran out of late time. I'm like, okay, fair enough. So we um, went spectating. We just ran Slotty in the service park. I sort of became the team manager and we just looked after Slotty's car on the Sunday. Anyway, of course, we went over and watched what Volkswagen were doing. And while I was standing there looking at their car when they were in for service, the team manager comes out and he's like, oh, you like the car? And so I love the car. It's a beautiful car. And he goes, yeah, it's not bad. And he goes, oh, so who are you? And I said, oh, I'm Simon Evans. I said, I was racing yesterday, but I crashed. And he goes, oh, you're in the Corolla. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you are very fast. <laughs> I'm like, really? He goes, he goes, yeah, that car is a piece of shit. <laughs> and that started. And it turns out he was the um, the team manager for Volkswagen Motorsport Germany, like, and he, they were just running a customer car down there and he had to go down and run it. So he gave me his card and he said, if you're serious, come to Germany. And I'm, I'm like, oh, okay. So I went back to the boys. We got on the beers that night. And I said, oh, look, guy from Volkswagen Motorsport gave me his card. And the boys are like, he's like the team manager. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's pretty high up, hey. And they go, so what do you say? So he said, you invited me to Germany. So said, so where are we going? <laughs> so I was like, oh, so we sent him an email and he said, come over. And, and that was the beginning of our relationship with Volkswagen. Once we got there and um, they took us on a tour through Volkswagen Motorsport, which was super cool. 
um, showed us the cars and they said, right, yeah, well, um, we want to win. They said to me, we want to win the Asia Pacific Rally Championship and we want a team down there to do it for us. And they said, and Jurgen said, I think you're the team. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, yeah, we're prepared to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, that was like the biggest sponsorship I'd ever seen. <laughs> and it was apparently a small one for them. And um, yeah, and they said, see what you, you know, see what you can come back with. And so we came back and we made an agreement. Next thing, some cars turned in, rocked up in my place in some containers and we started driving Volkswagens, which was, uh, they were amazing. Um, the car was just so forgiving. Like it made a, it made a bad driver look good. <laughs> so, so Simon, that was when you ended up in China and you, you did the whole Asia Pacific and and that was a, a really strong time in your career as well. Yeah, it was absolutely. We got to travel. It was a whole new world for me. And um and I thrived in it. I absolutely loved it. We had a ball, like we just yeah, each event, um, because we were always well, I've got to say, like, you never stop learning. And so when we when you go into these events, you go in wide-eyed and you're just taking everything in. Um, and all I kept doing was liking the roads to places I'd already raced before. And then you have this mindset of when you liken the roads, like, I'm going, oh, this is like up in Imble in Queensland or this is like in Toowoomba or this is like Rally Melbourne or Nuji or whatever. And so I'm just making these decisions in my head and I'm driving accordingly. Well, it turns out that you don't do that in in Asia and China and that, because if you have a big crash there, the, the hospitals are terrible and you probably won't survive them. <laughs> You'll survive the car crash, but you won't survive the hospital stay. That's <laughs> what they used to say. Surprisingly and, enough, Toby Price racing in Dakar again. Yeah, he learnt the hard way in that one too, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I'm in Possum Board and he had a crack at me because um, he was running that Group A cash, yeah, the cash roll car at the time and um, the Subaru. And he was obviously the man in the championship and the man to beat. And we were finishing in the, in the podium outright with our front-wheel drive golf, um, quite often second to Possum. And a couple of stages we actually beat him on. Oh, and Possum boy, if you beat him on a stage, he did not like it, especially in the front-wheel drive golf. <laughs> he come over and he's doing the, the finger in the chest. He's like, Simon, you've got to slow down. That's just ridiculous. You can't drive that fast here. You're going to hurt yourself. We'll be taking you back in a box. And and I'm laughing and I'm like, oh, I upset you, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I found a weak spot. <laughs> was that, Simon, was that was that part of Possum's shtick or was that was he genuinely concerned for you? Was that him just trying to put you off or was he going, hey, Evo, you're not going to make it home, mate? Yeah, no, nah, all, all, there was a bit of both. The yeah. Possum was a good guy. He didn't want to see anybody get hurt. But um, he's also a furious competitor and he always wanted to be number one. And he didn't like it when when somebody else started taking a bit of his limelight. And that's fair enough. Like I, I get that 100% and absolute respect to the guy. He was he was the toughest competitor. Um, so, yeah, uh, look, you know, I loved it. I loved it that I got on his radar and, and under his nose. You know, as far as I was concerned, I'm doing my job. Actually, you, um, I've seen a quote by you saying that he was hard to race against, but the mind game seemed to work for you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, look, yeah, mind games was a big factor in, in rallying in that era. Um, Ed Ordinsky was the king of it. He was really good at it. 
Um, obviously, Neil Bates, like any of those top guys were really good at mind games. Um, and you just, you have to learn your way pretty quick. You know, <laughs> Possum used to come and stand at your window and he'd start talking to you just before the stage starts, you know, and he'd get you, get you distracted and get you thinking about other stuff than what you should be thinking about. I worked that out pretty quick. So I just wound up in the window and just didn't let him. He'd just stand there wanting to talk to me. And I just look at him and go, You're not, not talking to me. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> See you at the awards night. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, the other one I thought was interesting was talking about Cody Crocker as well, because you rallied against him and you ended up racing against him in off road as well. We actually ended up, we ended up teammates in yeah. off road. And so Cody was, he's a, he's a cool cat. So we, I raced Cody from when we were young blokes. So he was like my nemesis the whole time we raced. And um, so we would, uh, I first met Cody when we were doing autocrosses at the Pakenham autocross track. And he was the man to be, you know, young. He was 18-year-old. He was quick as he was in this shitty Mazda RX-5 thing. It was a ridiculously quick car, but it was so ugly. Um, and Cody drove it so well. And yeah, he just, we came up at the same time. We raced, you know, right through um, to the point where we were both factory drivers. And yeah, and then we ended up both at Polaris um, driving driving for the Polaris racing team. And that was, that was cool. We, we actually worked together really well, um, like on the track, especially with the short course racing where you, yeah, you're bumper to bumper. Like we never took each other out. We rubbed a bit, but. Um, that was the rule in the team. It's like you can race hard, race, do what you want, but don't take each other out. And we never did. Um, there was always respect there. And yeah, so uh, I always I enjoyed racing with Cody because usually, you know, if, if I'm behind Cody, we're usually in the top three. So it was a good thing. Simon, just jumping back to the, the Volkswagen, you, you had a couple of cars, the, the three and then the four. Um, that era obviously rounded out rules wise so that the cars disappeared again. Yeah. Where did you, yeah. And at that point there was, you know, there was a gap between there and when Toyota came knocking at your door. Mm -hmm. How did that, that transition, let's call it the transition from factory driver to factory driver. How, how did you piece that together? Volkswagen. Yeah. That was a tough one because we had so much success with them. We'd won the Australian championship with them in the first year we won the asia pacific in the second year and then bang it got cut and uh yeah i was a bit lost there for a little bit and there wasn't much opportunity for us in australia at the time um all the all the all the drives were taken pretty much and you know there was a lot of good drivers in the field um so i sort of got sidelined and so we worked out what are we going to do and dad had a a possum born built Subaru that he was doing some state round stuff with. And dad goes, well, take that. And um, that was the start of the helicopter. So from our relationship with Volkswagen, um, we, we picked up Heller um, through that same rally. When I, when I, well, when I went over to New Zealand, we met one of the bosses of Heller Australia. He was spectating over there. And he came up, gave us his card while we were at Service Park, and yeah, and then it started a relationship with Hello, and that was brilliant. Well, Hello was a minor sponsor in the Volkswagen team. Well, by the time we had this Subaru and we lost Volkswagen, they became our major sponsor between them and Yokohama. 
And um, so then we uh, we got Dad Subaru and we, we set it up and I drove it. It was pretty good and did some rallies and we turned up to Rally Canberra in it and we got flogged. <laughs> the factory teams gave us a bath. And we worked out pretty quickly that there was a Group N car and then there was a factory Group N car. <laughs> <laughs> and so we worked out, we needed to get upgrade our cars. And so we did. And look, Subaru were, were, were pretty helpful, uh, or obviously Team Subaru, which was Possum Ward. Um, they gave us enough information to get us closer to the pack. It definitely wasn't all the information. Um, and they had a manufacturers much. championship to also win, didn't they? Yeah, we were too much of a threat. So um, that was look, that was the way it was. And so we we, we worked hard, and we found our uh, we found pace in the motor, we found pace in the gearbox. You know, we worked really close with modern engineering and developed a good dog box for these things. And we made the car quicker and quicker and quicker. And um, I don't know. I just I really enjoyed that part of it, and then Haller really stepped on board big time in 2002, then 2003, and yeah, we came out with the the Haller car, which was pretty iconic in my career. Like I think anybody who knows Simon Evans knows the Haller car. So um, I've still got that car, which is pretty cool. We're just we, we we're trying to plan a time for it to come back out. So, um, but yeah, other wait till that, wait till they're eligible for Alpines. Yeah, that's a good idea. Come, come back and avenge yourself. <laughs> was that the car you did the 2016 WRC round at Coffs in? No, no. Okay, that was um, that was my mechanics car actually, um, Jesse Robinson. Um, so we did plan. We did look at using the Hella car, but at that time it needed a lot of work, and Jesse had a car that was far more appropriate for what we wanted to do. So we just put all the good bits into that car. And, oh. um, yeah, and we we made it matte black. That was actually a blue WRX, um, but we just wrapped it matte black because we wanted to make it look like the beast. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I think that's where I met you for the first time was at that event. Yeah. Because you're in Service Park on a Friday or a Saturday, Saturday, I think it was. Just came back in. And I think you gave me the strangest look of saying, what's this bloke want? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I, was, I was reporting it for auto action at the time, the WRC and the ARC and yep. New South Wales State Championship was part of it as well. Yeah, okay. And I'm sure I was friendly after that. <laughs> you, were, you, were, no, you were friendly at the time. It's just a, <laughs> that, that um, stunned look to start with. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't do a lot of rally stuff like reporting yeah. at that stage and, but we thought, who the bloody hell's this? Who's this old bloke? <laughs> he wants to tell me about something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, that's all part of well, it. Well, I, I guess the, the 2003 personality of the year never, ever looked at anyone like that. It was like, oh, there's someone there <laughs> I'm to chat to. Who are you? Well, I'll chew this guy's arm off. Let's well, have I've, a yak. <laughs> no, I've had Darren look at me when he doesn't get the first deeps at the food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you look at when when I uh, accidentally grabbed the first VB gas. That's like killing your firstborn. That that wouldn't happen if you were me, Daz. No, that's right. (laughs) Run over. Hey, so let's. I'm sort of leading up to, I guess, um, the the the, you know, let's say one of the ultimate drives in Australian motorsport is the 
Um, Neil Bates Motorsport uh, Toyota Rally Team, and you know it's still to this day at the absolute top end of of rallying. Um, Neil just doesn't come knocking on anyone's door, and and he came and knocked on yours. Yeah, look, that was a pretty special time, um, special moment. It was um, it was quite amusing because at the same time, like it was incredible. They, I was speaking with Les Walton at the time as well for Mitsubishi, and uh, and obviously. Neil Bates and it was it was really hard because I, I basically got offered exactly the same deal from both guys, both teams. And I spoke to Les about it, and yeah, Toyota were a, a big thing. You know, it was they were a big team, the biggest car company in the world at the time, and you know, like you're mad if you didn't sign up with Toyota at the time. And I think Mitsubishi were just pulling out of. Adelaide at the time as well. So there was all that sort of thing going on. And the Toyota was just going from strength to strength. Uh, the boys were so dedicated to Neil Bates Motorsport to the car and the program. Like it was an easy decision. And yeah, and Neil's very, uh, what would you say? I don't want to say the wrong word here, but he's quite forceful in his negotiations. <laughs> like when he wants something, he, he makes sure it happens. And he, he definitely wanted me as part of that team. And, um, yeah, look, it was fantastic. It's fantastic to have him chasing me. And it was fantastic to be part of it in that, that time in my life. And, uh, and where Toyota was at, at that point, they were just breaking into the, the whole Australian Championship when it comes to the, the Group N cars. They come out of World Rally cars. And so they designed their own Group N car. And, yeah, the car had, had needed a lot of work. And I remember the first time I drove it, all the, the engineers we got, I pulled in and they're waiting to see what, what I had to say about their car. And I went down the window and I'm like, wow, this thing's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was hard work to keep it on the road. I, I said, I used to have this saying, I said, tree magnet setting was on 10. You know, <laughs> like it, just, it just wanted to go into the trees. And uh, yeah, so we had a bit of work to do. And uh, so, of course, that was the NP car that was being developed as a, a, a basically yeah. a one off at the time, yeah, correct. And they grabbed the sleeker GT4 drivetrain and they jammed it into the little Corolla, you know. And of course, nothing fitted. Um, and it wasn't as, as simple as just taking the, the whole drivetrain and fitting it into a Corolla shell, it didn't work. And uh, so then, yeah, we had to make it work. Um, and and that was the hard bit. And yeah, look. We had a great debut and we won the first round. But Chris Atkinson also debuted at that time with his uh, Pro Drive Subaru. And no one anticipated him to be so bloody quick. <laughs> and it was just, we were sort of lucky with that one because he, his car was found to be illegal at the end of the first round. Um, so Chris actually won it and I was second. And he got kicked out after scrutineering and they handed me the win. So, yeah, we took it. Because we didn't know how many more wins were going to come our way, so. um, but no, we just knew we had to work really hard uh, as a team, and I knew we had the right team behind us. Um, it was just if, whether or not we could develop the car um, as quick as the competition, um, because while we were going forward, they were going forward as well. So, and they had top drivers who were well accustomed to their cars. Uh, I'd moved across uh, from a new, you know, to, into a new team, and I had to get accustomed really quickly. Um, which I enjoyed that challenge because I'm a people person. So it was not. <laughs> That's what the awards <laughs> <laughs> Um 
Simon, how did you, you know, up until that point, Sue and yourself were running a, for all intents and purposes, a family run outfit with your dad. And all of a sudden you get to pull on the shiny red and white suit with the shiny red and white helmet. Um, and you get to be the rally driver that you've, you know, you've pushed for nearly 20 years to become. Yeah. How was your mindset from going to an event, you know, driving the rig to the, to the service park, unloading the rig, setting the tent up to being the guy that, you know, is the hot shoot called in to, to do the driving thing. It was a shell shock. Um, I actually struggled with that side of it. Uh, I felt a little bit useless because I wasn't putting into the team and um, I was just turning up and driving. And I, for me, because I used to run, obviously run our own team, I felt like I was doing nothing. And I, I had actually, I had a lot of guilty feelings because the boys are setting up all the tents and everything. And so I ended up just getting in and helping them. Um, I, I did a bit of the grunt work and, it didn't bother me. And the, and the boys are going, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm going to, I'm going to help. I'm going to help you guys. And um, yeah. And that was, that was just me. And I worked out about three or four events in that I missed because obviously I used to drive the race truck to all the events and everything. And I really missed that. So I asked Neil if I could drive the truck to the events um, and which he obliged, he let me drive the truck. And, and so I, I drove with Neil and Coral and, um, when the boys drove the the, the smaller truck, uh, had a ball doing that. Um, it makes you feel a bit more like one of the boys, um, in, a little bit more in the click. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so that was that were good times. And then, yeah, I think oh, a couple of years into it, Neil said, "Ah, oh, look, we're gonna the boys want to drive the truck, so we'll just fly you into events." And then I was talking to the boys at Michelin, who were obviously our tire supplier. And they couldn't find people to drive their truck. So I, I drove the Michelin truck to the races. <laughs> I like driving trucks. <laughs> I, love, I do love, I love my trucks. But for me, it was all part of the process of um, getting into the mindset for the rally. Because once, I, obviously, my day job was a concreter. Um, and I'm running, running my concrete. And, and as you know, a concreter has to have a truck. So that's what they drive to and from work. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as nice as the race truck, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, it doesn't uh, have upside down gumboots hanging off the back of it, does that's it? That's true. That's true. That's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, so it was nice. Uh, getting to drive the truck was when I, it was my chance to focus on the event and start thinking about how I'm going to drive. And um, just looking at the event from the outside as the driver and going, okay, what do I need to achieve at this event um, and setting my goals? Because uh, when you're on the road, you've got, you know, generally you had 20 hours to sort it out. Um, so it was a good time just to get your head in the right space. And I really enjoyed that by, by driving trucks. Um, yeah, it wasn't that hard to drive a truck. So I thought about other stuff. Great success with uh, Neil Bates Motorsport and, and Toyota and Sue and yourselves, you know, really establish yourselves as, the top end in the Australian rallying scene, you were the one that everyone was coming to beat. It wasn't Possum now and it wasn't Neil so much anymore and everyone was coming along to to beat Simon. The the Toyota thing came to a, an end. I think that was due to the GFC and they wanted to pull out a motorsport. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the global financial crisis. Yep, yep. We started the season in 2009 with Toyota and yeah, I think uh, about a week before the first event, we got told that this will be the last event for the team. And, um, yeah, let's go out, go out on a bang. So 
yeah, that, that event down in Tassie, the Targa event, what was it, the Tarmac event. Um, yeah, Neil and I managed to get one too. And Neil finished on top on the Saturday and I won on the Sunday. It's nice to beat Neil Bates on Tarmac. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> and uh, so we got one too. So Neil Neil took the win for the weekend and I got second and we signed off as Toyota Racing. So, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a good and, and sad time at the time and um, it's just it's just part of history, isn't it? Like it's you know it hit hard every, to everyone with the global financial crisis. So we were lucky yeah. enough. Well, Toyota pulled really the Formula well One the team as well. They pulled the pulled the whole uh, yeah. the whole showdown shutters on. Oh, it was a on serious pullback in motorsport. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you 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 jumped from that into another brand for for that season and and continued on. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. So <laughs> that was that was actually fun. Um, I was a bit lost for a couple of weeks, and I didn't know what we were going to do. And then Dad said, "Oh, I think you should come and drive for me." And I'm like, "Yeah, of course, no worries. Like, let's do it." And so I just assumed I was going to be in a Subaru because that's all we had, and. Um, which is not a bad thing. We're a great car. And then Dad goes, I've got you an Evo 9. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> um, Evo 9's a brilliant rally car. And, yeah, and I, I said to Dad, we had we were on the beers one night, and he, he said to me, I didn't realise what he was doing. He was setting me up. He said, well, if you could get in a rally car, what would you get? And I said, Dad, I reckon an Evo 9 is pretty bloody good. They're the car to beat. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I reckon the Subaru. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, man, I was better than this and that. It was my opinion. And, uh, yeah, the next thing he's found me an Evo 9 that he's leased off uh, the boys over in Perth, Race Talk. And uh, so, yeah, we started, we teamed up with Race Talk for that season and uh, continued the championship in the Evo 9. Pressing on. From there, of course, uh, there there was the the Mitsubishi. So we're 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 completing the list of manufacturers and Australian Rally <laughs> Championships. Um, we move on to other things. Gaz mentioned in the intro with, um, you know, a, a drive in a Cortina Sports sedan that was you know, rumored to be twenty years in the build and had yeah. a couple of drivers before you drive it, and you 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 took to the tarmac at Sandown in a sports sedan. Yeah, that was great fun. So that car was my uncle's car, Uncle Joe, so my mum's brother. And, yeah, I'd seen that car being built as a kid and always joked with Uncle Joe that I'd drive it for him. And and, that, and then, when obviously, once my career started taking off and, and then Uncle Joe was really interested in getting me into this sports sedan, <laughs> that, you know, driving with Toyota and that, that was with contracts, it was, it was conflicts and uh, it was just, it was hard work to try to jump into this thing and, I never thought it was a big deal to jump into a, a 1970 Ford to go and do a couple of rounds of the Victorian State Bloody Series. So, but anyway, some other people had other ideas. And um, so once I was out of contract, it was easy. And, yeah, Uncle Joe said, you know, drive this thing. And I said, yeah, I'm in. And, um, yeah, so we got the car to the workshop and all my uncles come along, um, you know, and they were, we were looking over the car and they were telling me about it and, I'm looking at things that I thought were a bit wrong on it, and I had my input uh, into changing a few things on the car, and yeah, and the way we went, and then yeah, we rocked up the sand down, and um, that was good fun. Like the time, I'll never forget. We did we turned up for was it Friday when we do 
qualifying and that and practice. And um, I was just sliding this thing like a rally car around the track because the tyres on it were like nine years old. <laughs> they were still the tyres from the last guy who'd raced it. And uh, and I'm sliding around thinking, this is pretty cool. I was enjoying it. And everyone's having a bit of a laugh at me. Um, we weren't posting great lap times or anything like that, but we are keeping it on the track. And then Dad decided he, he came and watched me and he's like, we need some new tyres. So he went down to Stucky at the time and Stucky was the only bloke there that had a set of tyres that fitted the thing. Um, so, yeah, Dad did a deal with Stucky and the next thing I've got some tyres on it. But we were a bit late because we just we missed – well, we did qualifying with the old tyres on it. So we started mid-pack and we've got these new tyres. And, and Stucky said, be careful because when they come on, you're going to be two to three seconds a lap faster. And I'm like, oh, geez. Well, that'll put me up there. Anyway, so they came on. They didn't put me two to three seconds a lap faster. I was like seven to eight seconds a lap faster. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it's actually 12. It's 12 seconds. That's right. And, um, yeah, and, of course, we went to fighting for the lead. Um, so the first race was interesting coming through the pack. And then, we, yeah, we got up right up into second and, um had it. Oh, I got it like on the last corner. I got into second. It was exciting as I was punching the air as I went across the line. It was so much fun. And this car was quick. It was a super quick car. Um, had the six-speed Hollinger in it. It was so raw. Um, <laughs> just the Motec on it. And it had no. I like to say no bullshit. Like there was no anti stalls. There was nothing. It was a raw car. And, uh, yeah, great fun to drive. So, yeah, we, we skid, skidded this thing around and had a ball. Um, ended up finishing second for the weekend. Got fastest lap of the, of the weekend. I was happy about that. And everyone opened their eyes that Simon Evans can actually drive on tarmac. <laughs> and, as as the, the, the tired old bearded rally fraternity started turning up the racetrack going, everybody's driving a sports sedan. Where, where point us in the direction of that thing. <laughs> hey, over there. So, yeah. so in rallying, you're basically racing the clock, whereas in road racing, you you are racing the clock to a certain extent. But you've got other cars around you, and you're dicing. How how did you find that first time when you had to do it? I thought it was like driving down the southeast freeway. <laughs> like, this uh, in a concrete on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Soaring away at the wheel. Here we go. Two of the young in the car with me, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I love the traffic. Um, it was good because you've got to anticipate their moves, and uh, I always found driving around on the circuit boring compared to rallying. But having the other cars on the track made it interesting. And so I really enjoyed that side of it. And then trying to anticipate what they were going to do. And, um, and especially in sports sedans, because there was such a huge variety of cars. Um, the closing speed when you're lapping cars is incredible. Like I didn't anticipate how fast I'd actually be going when I caught the cars in front of me. Um, to the point where I'll never forget, we came onto the straight at Sandown. And there was a car halfway down the straight. And I thought, oh, yeah, I won't get him by the corner. I got him and the car in front of him by the corner. <laughs> like, I was just like, God, this thing's quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's certainly, cool. certainly in the, in Victorian sports sedans, the the Gypsum Australia Parotta Cortina with you know, Stephen Vines and Glenn Hastings at the wheel. Glenn raced it in the national scene, was was iconic. And then you know to to get a four, I think at that time you were four times rally champion uh, on the wheel. It 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 actually brought people to the track to see you know what whatever I could do in a in a sports sedan. It wasn't. Now correct me if I'm wrong. You you did some. Um, uh, Commodore Cup driving as well in some of those um, um, enduros, didn't you? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Who was, with, who was that with? With Jeff. Oh, I'm really bad with names. Jeff Waters. Yeah, Jeff Waters. Yeah, top bloke. Yep. Yeah, good. He was he was fun. Um, Waters loved it because all he wanted to do was be faster in his car than I I was. So he absolutely he had an absolute ball. Um, but we, yeah, we soon worked out that there was. The, 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 oh, early in my career, we had this term that there was bulletproof and then there was Evans proof, and we're trying to work out which one was tougher. <laughs> uh, well, when I joined, when I joined Jeff Waters' team, they, he said the car was bulletproof, and I said, "Nah, it's got to be Evans proof." And I tore the gear shifter out. Um, oh, I bent the brake pedal, um, like I bent the steering wheel. Uh, and I never crashed the car. <laughs> just things I do driving the car. Well, Jeff was a was a front runner in Commodore Cup too when you were driving with him, so he knew what he was. You know, I thought he knew what he was getting into. I guess. Yeah, I never got asked back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess when you look at it, you, there wouldn't be too many Commodore Cup teams that had to deal with a bent steering wheel. That's for sure. <laughs> they they would have. They I don't reckon any of them would have carried a spare steering wheel to uh, to even accommodate. I can. I can see why he probably hasn't asked you to drive his Aussie racing car. Yeah, no, definitely not. Although I did drive one of them with Toyota. They were, they were cool. They were a great great thing to drive. So, I mean, you, you, you've moved on and one of the, I guess, in, in motorsport, you've done a lot of motorsport with, you know, with your whole family around you, um, you know, being... Um, let's say you're the man behind the wheel that, that the focus is on. Your career has definitely changed, and in recent years, you've embraced both your your son and your daughter. And you could probably look back and see where the energy came from for your dad to support you and and your, your multiple Australian Rally Championship brother Eli. Um, it's a different world now, isn't it? You, you're running the Simon Evans Motorsport Race Team with your kids. Yeah, absolutely, and nothing makes me more proud. Um, I have a ball like it's. Don't get me wrong, it's hard work, but when, when you love what you do, it's not work, is it? So, um, yeah, no, look, the kids, the kids are incredible. Like, I, I love how hard they work. Like, Jackson puts in so much time into his car and prep and, and development and stuff like that. Eden is just working it all out. Like, she's, um, she's proving the <laughs> saying, Evans proof, yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's proven that. So, well, she did do one race last year where she didn't roll. So I was, I was quite proud of her. Um, <laughs> where she didn't roll. Where she didn't roll, yeah. Um, there was some races she rolled twice and three times in, um, which made up for that. But, look, these things, when you're driving at 10 tenths and Eden, so Jackson, Jackson was dad's shadow. So he... If I got a quad bike, we got a quad bike for Jacko. We bought one for Eden, but Eden didn't really care too much. And so 
Jacko and I will ride the quad bikes. So Dad decides, oh, okay, let's go and take Jacko to do autocrosses. Hey, you want to come? No, she didn't want to come. So Jacko's doing autocrosses when he was 12, 14, whatever the age of it was. So he's learnt racing from when he was a kid. And Eden's decided now she's finished with her netball. She's 26 years old and she wants to spend time with Dad. So let's go racing. And <laughs> so she's got all the enthusiasm and none of the skills. So <laughs> <laughs> she's so brave. And we watch her drive and not not one, none of us want to get in the car with her. Like we <laughs> this is the scenario where I'm standing on the outside trying to teach her how to drive. And um, we had an opportunity at the last round last year at Kalgoorlie. Um, they were struggling to get cars to um, do that. They have a bit of a night like spectacle where they do a top 10 shootout, you know, and it, it's not compulsory. And the top cars, was it was the longest race of the season for them. So they're all going, we don't really want to do the top 10 shootout because we're trying to win the championship. So they came around to us saying, Evo, can you do the top 10 shootout? And I said, yeah, why not? I mean, um, and I said, can I run whoever I want? And they're going, yeah, absolutely. As long as they're licensed and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah, no problem. I said, it's just my daughter. She's never sat in the car with me. <laughs> so I put Eden in the in the passenger seat and we went out and we did our recce. And so she's trying to do notes and we're just laughing the whole time. And Eden's as blind as a bat. She must have her mother's vision. She can't see without her glasses on. <laughs> and especially when it's getting dark. So this top 10 shootout was in the dark and uh, the lights on the Polaris are pretty good, but at 140k an hour, they're not so good. <laughs> on the roughest track you've ever seen, we're charging along. Eden's calling this a right, uh, right one. So right one in my terms is flat out. Like you just hold it flat and turn right. You just know uh, well, Simon's notes over these have just got right or left one, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> we all thought Sue was a genius, but all she's doing is going right one, left one. <laughs> just make sure you turn the right way. Yeah, yeah. This is a left one, Simon. Do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, with she it. got me a pearl at one race on Susie. She just said 26 kilometers, road wiggles. <laughs> <laughs> I pissed myself off. That was, that was a good one. Yeah. Anyway, so Eden got the co drive. We, we come into this corner. She's calling the right one. I can see that it's a hairpin. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm breaking and she's going, get up and get up. And I'm like, no, it's a hairpin. So we go around this hairpin and she's like, I'm a shit co-driver, Dad, aren't I? <laughs> I just said, yeah, just focus on driving, honey, and watch what I do. And uh, so, yeah, we, we did our lap. We had a great run. And, uh, yeah, it was definitely a highlight of the career for me to have my daughter in the car. And she said, like, I got the perfect result because she said, Dad, she goes, I learned so much in that two and a half minutes of sitting with you than I've, what I've learned all season. And I just said, yeah, cool. We need to do that more because Jackson's had, you know, plenty of opportunities to do it. He's, uh, he's a very skilled driver now. And um, Eden's just learning all the skill sets. She's got the bravery. Um, and she just needs to learn now how to control the bravery. <laughs> Uh, I just want to take you back just prior to when the uh, Polarises were running in the Australian Off-Road Championship, when they were running in the SXS Championship as a separate series. Side by side championship. Yeah, exactly. And there was an event down west of Wollongong, uh, a motor, motocross complex 
Yeah, you remember you had a, a Japanese guy driving for your team, and his wife was yeah. a mechanic. Correct, Harry. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I, 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 we were having a chat down at that one, and it was a meeting where Shane Jacobson rolled like forward, over forward, and multiple times coming down that last hill yeah. before the last corner, basically. Yeah, yeah, and your car had a drama, didn't it? It broke something. Yeah, and- we broke it. Um, the gearbox. Yeah, and um, the you know, the Japanese gentleman tore the right rear or something out of here, so you swapped it over or you got him going again. Yeah, we put my rear end in his car. Yep. Yeah, I, I particularly remember it because I was asking you how how the officials treat you, and he said, "I'm most of them all right except for that bloke over there because he won't let you have a beer if if you're out of the event until after the event's over." <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Mark. Yeah, the scrutineer. Look, yeah, I know he was just he was just doing motors. Um, what Australia policy? You know, we were yeah. in a lot. We're in a lot of pit scenarios. So thank yeah, thank you, I'm Mark, working. from uh, the Wollongong area for uh, upholding the motors for Australia regulations. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, he's actually, he's from Victoria. He's oh, there you go. Was, yeah. He took himself, paid his own way to Wollongong and had to tell yeah. this Evans off. I was hoping for a beer about that stage, but I knew we were out of luck then. Yeah. You made your way over to Evo's garage, hadn't you? Or over his tent, hadn't you, Gazzy? He's got some VBs here somewhere. I know he has. <laughs> Remember racing in China? Um, the, the teams, teams in Peru, all those boys soon worked out. I always had beers in my room. So every night... <laughs> The Kiwis would rock up in my room, all these Kiwi boys. They'd rock up in my room and go, hey, mate, you got a beer? And I'd, I'd have the bin in the motel room. The bin would be full of beers and ice. <laughs> Where are you uh, racing oh. next? <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to Indonesia next. I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you, you, um, you breached that, Simon. I wasn't going to go there, but... I was lucky enough to um, to meet Neil Bates in your company in a hotel room in Canberra. And Neil knocked on the door and Sue put her head out and said, it's Neil, find all the beers. <laughs> and six blokes are just, beers are under tuna covers and all that sort of thing. I don't know whether I'm spilling the beans on you here or not, but Neil walked in and said, can I have a beer? <laughs> no, I remember that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nah, look, I think I, it was your first drive with them, actually, in Canberra. <laughs> no, nah, Neil was fine. It, it's a, you know, it, he always just, um, he knew that, he knew the type of person I was and he knew I loved to be here and he didn't ever try to change that in me. Yeah. Um, he just always just, just res, respect the racing and, uh, yeah, yeah, turn up sober. Don't blow the bag the next morning. Yeah, exactly. Nah, <laughs> they, and they did. They used to test me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They test they Gary and I before it. we go up to the commentary booth. There, they said, "Don't worry about that." They just they, they <laughs> pick out their favourites. <laughs> hey, Simon, no, there's so much more we could we could touch on. We're rapidly running out of time here, but um, one of the questions I like to ask each one of our guests is, and you can you can choose to not answer this, but the person you least like racing against, and the person that you really most like racing against. So I least like racing against. Well, that it's kind of an easy one. Anyone who beats me, <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like them that much. <laughs> that was in my in my prime. Uh, like right now, it doesn't bother me at all. But uh, you know, I, I think probably at the time, 
I, I never liked racing against guys like Possum and that because they were too fast. Like they were hard to beat. Um, but I did enjoy the challenge. And so, yeah, but then the, the guys I do love to race against, well, that's every, everybody who turns up. Like, um, I don't know. There's definitely some special guys out there. Yeah, Scott Petter was always brilliant. Mark Petter, those those guys were brilliant. Um, I did love racing. Mark and I used to have, have bets on uh, stage wins for beers. So, you know, <laughs> Ed Odinsky was the same. Um, so, yeah, there's, it, look, I could name a, a huge list of probably people I love racing against. So, yeah. And- my, my no, to be fair, my favourite one would be racing against my son. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. I do love that one. Yeah, yeah. Now the other one is, um, and you really have to pinpoint this. Your favourite moment involved in motorsport. Ooh. Favourite moment. Yeah. Most people would probably say that the time you, you win your first Australian Championship, well, that was a big moment. But I wouldn't say that was my favourite moment. Note this, Gary, at uh, one hour and 10 minutes in, <laughs> S. Evans, out of words. Out of words. <laughs> First time ever, 2003 motorsport person. I think, I think for me, out of words. my favourite moment was probably, it was a, a club rally years and years and years ago in my Commodore. And I had a DNF 23 events straight <laughs> and with breakdowns. Clearly not Evans. I broke the diff. And I reversed the car through three stages of the the rally to get to the end. Um, it was like, I don't know, 45 Ks of competitive stages that I reversed because yeah, the car would only go backwards because I blew the dip. <laughs> um, and then we got to the more hill climb track and it was the final stage of the race. And I said to the officials, I said, come on, mate, I just need to finish. Can you just, do we not have to do this last stage and he's like mate if you want to finish you have to reverse that last stage and i'm just like rightio so i reversed around this last stage at the mobile hill climb track uh to a standing ovation <laughs> um with all, all the competitors and that's probably my favorite moment oh that's that's awesome simon thank you that's yeah, a, uh, so, a fantastic one yeah you touched on it at the very start about the where the crowds got so much closer than they do now as a driver, do you think about where that crowd or where those people are on the side of the track and are, are they there because they're stupid or, <laughs> or, or, and does that enter your mind that, you know, that if I get into trouble here, I could probably take a few people out with me? Well, I definitely had throughout my career, I had a lot of close calls hitting people. Um, look, that's, it's a con, it's a, a bit of a compliment. Um, when you've got people that close to the track, uh, I always found that I knew I, I knew when I was on a mission because the road closure officials and that would start running when I come <laughs> down the road because they thought I was out of control. <laughs> I was about to crash, so I knew then I was going quick. But they're the ones that I nearly hit, uh, definitely at like uh, spectator points and stuff like that. Um, at Fink Desert Race, that's nuts. Um, people used to get so close to the track. Uh, they've definitely fixed it in the last few years. Everybody's a lot more respectful of the competitors and stuff through the accidents that have happened. But it was also one of the exciting things. Like, obviously, you never want to hurt anybody. But in my head, if somebody got hurt because they were standing in the wrong spot while I was racing, it's not my fault. Yeah, good call. Um, 
that, and that's the way I look at it. And like, I'd be sympathetic to whatever happened, but I wouldn't take the guilt. The the early Fink races when they were when the cars first came into it after it was an exclusively a bike meeting, some of the places, even some professional photographers would stand on the outside of corners. I just yeah. gobsmacked. I always made sure I stand on the inside. I wasn't going to stand on the outside. <laughs> with us, especially in the Australian Rally Championship, you got to know all the photographers and you became friends with them and they trusted you. And so we'd have conversations after the rally. I'd see them, you know, in dangerous positions. And I'd go, I want to see that photo because that would be the coolest shot. Like, and, I'd say, <laughs> and I'd say to them, how much did I pound you with rocks? Like, and he's yeah. like, you smashed my lens. You did this, you did that. Like, <laughs> but they were trying to find that shot. And I, so I respect because they're doing their job as well. They're doing their passion um, and they're trying to get that perfect shot. And so I completely get it. And what and they need us to focus and drive at 100%. So, because they're counting on us to stay on the road. Mm. So that's the way I looked at it. And, um, It'd be interesting if Sue listens back to this at all, Simon, and goes, we were doing two or 195, Simon, and you're thinking, I wonder how that photo looks. And I'm yeah, trying no. to give you a, an R1. <laughs> I'd say to her, we get to the end of the stage, and I say, "Did you see what's the name there?" And I'm like, I'd, t- I'd describe the corner, and she's just like, "Watch the bloody road!" Like, why are you watching the people? And I'm like, "I'm just sorry." I'm like, that's cool. You know, I'm you know I'm the 2003 Motorsport Personality of the Year. I've got a duty to see these people. <laughs> uh, good fun, Simon. Um, like I said, we've we've run completely out of time here. We really appreciate. The- a, a fantastic laugh and uh, for, for Gaz and I to to get someone of your calibre on our first show for 2023 has is, is been an absolute blast and uh, really thank you from, from Gaz and Daz and the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Podcast Racer, uh, Racing Podcast, Simon Evans, thanks heaps for your time, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, no, thank you, guys. It was um, really well done and I quite enjoyed it. A bit of a walk through memory lane for me. I love it. It's uh, it's like some of these ones where uh, we uh, we have a chat and we go, yeah, we probably should have scheduled this for a part one and a part two, but we might come back to you in twelve months and open twenty twenty four with more adventures. Yeah, that's it. No, nah, no problem at all. Good Pretty on you, Evo. Thanks for your time. Pleasure, guys. Gaz, awesome to have um, you know a guy with a lot of trophies in the trophy cabinet and uh, clearly lives life to the fullest and, and has fun along the way. I, I think he was giggling most of the time through that. Yeah, well, we were. And I, well, I think he was more giggling on what the thoughts in his head were than what was actually coming out of his mouth and what he couldn't say. <laughs> Fantastic to have... Uh, you like to have an uncut him. one sometimes. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to <laughs> do a bloopers version yeah. of it. Gaz, but, January, uh, as far as, you know, what we're involved in circuit racing is not so big. We've covered off what... Uh, what Speedway are doing as far as the Napa Auto Parts race of James McFadden and the Hodges Motorsport team is concerned. There is still some stuff going on, though. There is, and I haven't got the, uh, uh, some stuff. I haven't got some hill climb calendars. I haven't got the, the state-based off-road calendars as yet. Most of the rally stuff's in and most of the circuit racing's already uh, locked in as well. But uh, what is happening is that uh, the summer series, really grassroots stuff down at uh, Pheasant Wood Circuit on January 10, 22. That's just for a two-litre, capped off two-litre cars, and they run sort of a, a series of races there. That's uh, quite, getting quite popular. 
as well, we've got uh, the motor events racing, which is another very much grassroots fun sort of event at Phillip Island. They're enduros mainly anywhere from seven hours to 24 hours with a, a break at night time. So those two events cap off January, basically. That's the last weekend of January. And then, of course, we, we start off February with the Bathurst 12-hour combined sedans in with them as well as the Kent Formula Fords. So that'll be a biggie. That's over three days from February five to uh, three to five, and on the same weekend in the same state, just two hours down the road, we've got the New Year Historics at Sydney Motorsport Park. And generally speaking, that's a big meeting as well. Historics are uh, certainly growing in stature, and I'm really looking forward to the Phillip Island Classic in March. Here we've got the uh, first round of the state championships. I think it's the 19th of February here in Victoria. Formula Ford have already got 22. Competitors entered for that. V's 16, historic touring cars, nine. XL's with 24. Improved production got 10. MG and invited British cars, 17. That should be a ripper. The Porsche 944 Challenge with uh, 11. The saloon cars with five. And sports sedans have got 14 entered. Gaz, the massive news on that front is the uh, the fact that the Victorian State Circuit Racing Championships have announced triple uh, eight home loans to be the um, the naming rights sponsor for the entire series, which locks in the uh, the live streaming, which has been going on for two seasons now. It makes sure that that will uh, continue on growing and uh, there'll be some nice bits of technology added along the way to to enhance that um, that broadcast. The state series have really embraced live streaming. They've realized that uh, if you get the message out there, it's actually a way of getting people to come to the track. They see it on the screen. They go, oh, this is actually happening. We can go to this. So those that have uh, have looked at live streaming and said, oh, that's going to detract from people from our event. Uh, the Victorian State Circuit Racing Championships is a uh, perfect example of how you can use it to your advantage. You still get the message out to a broader audience and, and get some more backside through the gate. Yeah, the other thing we should mention on a, on a very sad note was the uh, passing of Sam Fennick on the weekend at uh, Willowbank Dragway. Unfortunately, he uh, was killed in an accident up there. Um, commiserations to all the people that knew him, his family and his friends. Yeah, it's um, never nice to see that. And it's amazing how big this world of motorsport is because that sent ripples right back to Detroit because it was part of the Chevrolet Racing program which was launched at, at Mount Panorama last year. So it's it's vibrating around right around through the world and and I totally agree with you guys. It's uh you never want to go to the track to to have that sort of thing happen. Uh, that will put a full stop on episode 16 of the uh, Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing podcast. And uh, Gary and I will be continuing right through to 2024. I know your contract hasn't quite been renewed because you haven't had all of your, you know, boxes ticked and all of that sort of thing, Gaz, as far as supply of refreshments during the show and uh, and your lifts to and from the racetrack, et cetera. But hopefully we can get those contract negotiations well, signed off for you, mate. Well, I'm one ahead of you. I've got 16 under my belt. You've only got 15. That's right. And it will remain that way, I'm sure, for many a year. It was like getting the 100 Shannon's Nationals results up. It was about three seasons later that I clocked mine up. At least I did it at Bathurst. But uh, anyway, there you go. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. We will uh, see you or talk to you again in a couple of weeks' time. And from Daz and Gaz, we'll catch you next time. Bye. You've just listened to another Network R production. 